it off to children's church. Our epistle lesson is from 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, verses 1 through 3. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and by our brother Sososthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. We're going to do something a little different uh, at the end of this sermon. And what we're going to do a little different is we're going to sing a hymn that I'm not sure we've ever sung down here before. We all have music that speaks to our hearts. And on this particular Sunday, this is a hymn that is a powerful something for me. And I asked Shane if it was possible to do it with a guitar, and he said, not in the tune you've got. (laughs) However, we'll do it in some tune. The hymn is for all the saints who from their labors rest. Some of you know it, some of you don't. My love, I think, goes back to the first time I heard this hymn, and to the best of my recollection, it was 40 years ago in chapel in seminary. That's a long time. If you've never been to chapel in seminary, the one thing you know is we may not sing well, but we sing loud. And so it was vigorous singing. And so it became something that meant a great deal to me. So I had sung it off and on over the years, It was one of those hymns that I liked. I liked the power and the grandeur of the words and the music. I included it when I planned my father's funeral. I encouraged church members to use it in funerals in their families over the years. And, of course, we did it when we did All Saints Sunday. And then something happened that changed this hymn forever in my thinking. It was 18 years ago. That's 1996. And at the time, my mother was still living and very independent, had no uh, physical issues. And she calls and she tells me that my father's last living aunt, or sister, my aunt, Nan, had died. And the funeral was scheduled for Fort Mill, South Carolina, where they had all lived. And I was being asked to uh, participate in the funeral. I remember Nan not only as the last member of that generation, but with a lot of affection because she and my father were obviously close. And we visited down there a lot in my growing up. And so she had become a kind of a fixture in the church, or in the family, and so there was a strong bond. What made this experience unusual is that I didn't have much emotion at all. Now, I knew I'd lost somebody significant in my family. You know that intellectually. I understand the stages of grief. 
I know that we don't always breathe in the same way and in the same patterns and the subscribed notions of grief. But the only thing I really was concerned about is that I didn't have much emotion. And so we go, I participate in this worship service, I do what I'm asked. The fellow who is pastor of the church is a seminary classmate and a friend of mine. He did a great sermon. And we got to the end. And we sang for all the saints. And I lost it. Absolutely lost it. And I might do it again. You can't tell. <laughs> Ever since then, I can't hear it without misting up a little bit. And sometimes a lot more than that. And I realize it's not just tears for those who have left the church militant for the church triumphant. Y'all like that language? That's old church language. We don't use it in the modern church much. It's those who have passed from the church here on earth to the great church eternal. Great language. We should use it at every opportunity. So it's not so much tears of loss as it's also this wonderful combination of tears of great joy for those who continue to enjoy a life beyond what we can see Yesterday was All Saints Day. And in our tradition, we usually observe that on the Sunday following. Forty years ago, you wouldn't have had a lot of Presbyterian churches talking about All Saints Day. I went and looked in my oldest copy of, of, of the Book of Common Worship that we as the church use to help plan our worship services. My oldest copy is 1946. And it had one prayer. But what happened from 46 and down into my going into seminary and then later is we in the church began to rediscover liturgy. And we began to rediscover the importance of picking back up those pieces of our faith that we let go at the time of the Reformation. And more importantly, we finally decided we'd take seriously the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed that says... I believe in the communion of the saints. So we decided we'd take seriously what we said we believe. Last week during our retreat in Banner Elk, friends said, are you going to visit with Banner Elk friends while you're here? And as a matter of fact, serendipitously, we ended up doing that. But I said to those folks, well, probably not, because a good many of the people I was closest to or in the cemetery. Now, that's a dramatic way to say they're not here anymore. But I know where they are. I believe in the communion of the saints. What do you hear when, or maybe I should ask, what do you see when you hear this communion of the saints? Do you think about the Apostle Paul and Peter and those folks? Or maybe you come a little more forward and you think about St. Augustine or, good heavens, maybe even Luther or Calvin. However we picture them, if we're not careful, our tendency is to think of them as these glowing figures with halos on their heads. Yeah, that's okay. That's not altogether wrong. 
We use those images, certainly in stained glass, but we use them in the liturgy of the church. How many times do we come to this communion service and we say many will come from east and west and north and south and sit at table in the kingdom of God? In all its many meanings, communion of the saints celebrates that time in the end of time when God gathers all his people into one place before the throne of grace where we are again fed this feast of the Lamb. I've never been to New Orleans. Some of you lived in New Orleans. But I know a little bit about some of the traditions and I know that one of the songs that gets sung not going to the cemetery but coming back from the cemetery is what? When the saints go marching in. When you go to the cemetery, it is a funeral dirge when you come back. And I always see Louis Armstrong blowing that fabulous piece. <laughs> when the saints go marching in or when those saints go marching in, Lord, I want to be in the number when those saints come marching in. Years ago, a fellow by the name of Albert Wynn wrote a little book about the Apostles' Creed. He was a fairly famous Presbyterian clergy in the day. And he writes this piece and he says, I had come to the church early one morning and I found my custodial staff in a dither. They had found a, what we would now call a bag lady or a, or, or a homeless person sleeping in the church pew. We couldn't figure out how she got in the door. The doors were all locked. They never did figure it out. They sort of woke her up and got her to move. She stood up and arranged her clothes and she said, I am an authentic saint. My name is Saint Jane Jane. And they all sort of chuckled. But Wynne says, you know what? She's not far wrong. What's a saint? In the language of the New Testament, what's a saint? A saint are those who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It is the same way we would define a Christian. Whether they're still here on this earth or whether they've gone on. Jesus said in the Gospel lesson, Abide in me and I will abide in you. And that is a wonderful example of this communion we share, this mutual indwelling. And then, of course, Jesus uses the vine and the branches. If you're not attached, you're not going to be very good for anything. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Minister writes that when he first began to work in his very first parish, he sat down and he wrote that line down, kind of like a, a card. We'd call it a sticky note today, and put it on his desk. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And he said, before I wrote a sermon, before I got ready for a prayer, before I did a class, before I conducted a meeting, before I went out to visit, I read that. And it was intended to help remind me that I can't do it without Christ, without that connection. I can't do it on my own. 
good reminder. A good reminder for all of us. Because saints have this abiding relationship with Christ, we have this commonality with each other. You go over to the book of Acts and you find that those who were together in the company believed with one heart and one soul and they shared all things in common. I don't often go back and pull things out of the Westminster Confession of Faith. And, and that's not a slam on the Westminster Confession of Faith. It's just if you've read the Westminster Confession of Faith, you understand that it is about the most convoluted writing that was ever written. And this is too, but all saints being united to Jesus Christ their head by His Spirit and by faith have fellowship with Him in His graces, suffering, death, resurrection, and glory. And being united to one another in love, they have communion with each other's gifts and graces and are obligated to perform such duties, public and private, as to conduct their mutual good. Communion of the saints. You want Tom's version of that? We're all in this together. That's the bottom line. Because if we're not in all, all in this together, then we are separated. And separation means we don't have that communion we are given. The communion of the saints not just talks about the fellowship we have, but it also extends to those pledge cards sitting up there and the offering plates. Because as the church shared all things in common in the early church, so today we contribute so that the ministry and mission of the church can function. We don't exist without each other. Everybody's important. And it's not just those kind of gifts that you give, those things that go into the offering plate, but it's the sheer presence Communion of the saints. I probably have told this story before, but I'll tell it in closing. Young boy was taken by his parents to Europe. Well, he was young enough that some of it seemed like fun, but a lot of it wasn't that much fun because they drug him into every cathedral they could find. Well, you know, kids, that's not always the most fun thing. So the summer's over and he's back home and he's in Sunday school and the Sunday school teacher says, what is a saint? And he gets to thinking about it and he's seen all those cathedrals and he says, I think a saint is somebody who lets the light of Jesus shine through. Yep. What a great definition of a saint. What would it be like if one Sunday we didn't pass the peace, the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, but I said, hello, St. David. And y'all would say, David, a saint? <laughs> but he would be. And that would be right. Do you think we might treat each other with a little more kindness if we remembered how we connect? 
Somehow I think we might. We have four great opportunities to confess our belief in the communion of the saints. Every time we say one of the creeds, every time we gather at this table together, when the offering plate gets passed, and when we pass the peace, or when we greet each other and remember, we are all saints, believers, claimed in God's eyes. I believe in the communion of the saints. How about you? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.